This is Women Who Build Empires, a podcast celebrating women entrepreneurs and thought leaders who are turning the tables on outdated old school belief systems and building business empires that align with who they are, how they work, and how they are leaving a lasting legacy. And I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner, serial entrepreneur, investor, and business consultant for ambitious women entrepreneurs who are boldly taking their business to the next level. In each episode, you're going to get to know the women who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of how both success and failure have helped them become incredible CEOs. Hey, Empresses. I had the most incredible conversation in this episode with Dr. Kinga Minch. She is an award-winning international social psychologist, educator, and speaker who specializes in emotions, positive psychology, and biohacking. Kinga believes that we need to change the systems to change prevailing inequalities when it comes to cultural diversity and gender. And I have to say I'm truly enamored with how brilliant Kinga is. We talked about why we are measuring women and women's businesses um, with the wrong scale and why how we should be measuring GDP needs to change because it's not accurate. Um, We also talked about how social algorithms, not only social media, but Google, Amazon, aren't helping women because they're not showcasing women the way they could be. And my favorite topic of conversation, why women need to stop apologizing. Let's dive in. Kinka, I am so excited to talk with you further. You and I met, I think it was a couple months ago, um, through LinkedIn. You invited me to be a contributor of your magazine, Ziva Voices. You've lived all over the world. You have done some of the most interesting work and combined things that I never would have combined. And I want to know so much more. So I'm just going to like, let you take it away and, and give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Um, And then I'll ask my long list of questions. (laughs) Sure. I am primarily a social psychologist. Um, so I have my PhD in social psychology um, and w- worked uh, at the Nelson Mandela University where I was teaching for almost five years, uh, living in South Africa um, while doing several other things. So, you know, like the uh, taking the question, like just to introduce myself, um, I call myself really a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I do start businesses and enterprises and projects almost on a yearly basis, (laughs) really. (laughs) Not all of them succeed and not all of them is something that I want to move forward. But there are specific things about me that are just part and core of who I am. And social psychology certainly is one of them. I've been always very much interested in like why and how society and systems work, how people function, why people, you know, act in a specific way, like what guides our thoughts and actions really. But at the same time, I've also have this drive, I guess you could call it drive, like this infinite need of wanting to be part of something bigger, 
you know, and um, not, it's not about legacy. I'm not a person where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't care about, you know, have, making a historic impact where someone doesn't, you know, like where people will remember my name. It's not about that, but it's really about being here and creating something that has a greater meaning for others or helps others be of, yeah, of support and help to others at the same time. I love having fun and I'm super curious, you know, mm -hmm. so I think that that's something that really drives me uh, to new, into new projects and new things. Yeah. yeah. What is it like for you as an idea generator when you're creating these projects or starting businesses? Um, what is it that drives you to have them keep going or to let them go? It's honestly, it's really the joy. Like, so for example, Ziva Voices, mm -hmm. you know, just to, just to use a, a recent example. So I started Ziva Voices just last January. Uh, I came up with the idea in uh, November 2021. And uh, on January 15th, we had the first edition. And it was just so much fun. You know, like it really felt like the pieces are coming together. It felt like everything that I've ever learned makes sense now because, you know, I edited the magazine, I um, brought the people together, you know, I curated the the articles, I took 80% of the photography for it, you know, <laughs> I had the conversations and it really felt like, well, okay, it's, it's starting to make sense. I think that that's, it's a combination and a mixture of, oh, this is starting to make sense and it is bringing me joy. And within a year, we have grown to a full board, um, plus four people that are working for Ziva Voices and are helping to drive it. And it's really, it's, I don't know, it's I, I cannot even describe it. It's it's fun. Like even the this last issue that we just recently published, it's just incredible. It's just like really, really incredible to see who contributed, who, you know, is supporting it, how people are reacting to it. I, I guess that's honestly, that's one of the big ways how I test it. How are people reacting to it? Mm -hmm. You know, how are people taking it in? Um, how, how are people wanting to support it? Are they willing to support it? You know, like what is the time that they are willing to invest into into this project. So Ziva Voices is a nonprofit also, you know, so it makes it a bit different um, mm -hmm. compared to any for-profit project. But yeah, I think it's that. Is it? Does it bring me joy? You know, does it make me feel like it's worth my time because I am learning by doing it? And what I mean by learning by doing it, not like learning the process of it, but am I learning from the people around it? Am I learning, you know, from the goals kind of like, or from the process of achieving the goals? And then how are people really reacting to it? You know, and that has been really incredible in this particular instance, because I haven't seen it like that ever before. And I started my first business when I was 20 and had also, I had several businesses and, uh, three nonprofit organizations before worldwide. And this has been the most interactive. It, it has been so easy to find support for it. Yeah. 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 And what's the meaning of the name? 
So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Ziva, there are several meanings to it. So the first uh, meaning to it means true knowledge. It comes from Shona, which is one of the main languages in Zimbabwe. But it also means uh, brilliant light in Hebrew. And in Polish or in the Slavic culture, Ziva, which uh, you just pronounce it a bit differently, was the first female goddess of life and fertility. Oh, cool. And so with Ziva Voices, it's all about, you know, her story in the making. So we want to change history for women, change mm -hmm. the way women are being perceived and change the storyline of women. So really when we, you know, like when I found out all the different kinds of meaning for Ziva, I'm like, this just makes sense. You know, this is like, this is it. Like, <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's such a great name because you're doing all of that in the magazine. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I've been looking for recently is business books written by women, mm -hmm. because I've been particularly in the last six months, but just, I think in general, really focused on um, how women create businesses differently than men. Um, because our, like our bodies just operate differently. Our brains operate differently and not good or bad. Like it's not about that. It's really about owning who we are and optimizing for the way our brains and our bodies work. Mm -hmm. And there's really not a lot out there. I mean, there's a lot of mindset stuff, but from a marketing sales perspective, how women can do that differently or team building, like there's just not the volumes mm. of sources out there. So I think having that perspective and that ability to educate from that voice is really yeah. important. Yeah. And you, you know what? And I wonder partially also if it's not out there or if we are just not finding it, you know? So last year I, um, my goal was not to buy a book written by a man. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And so I was just reading books written by women and just ordered books written by women and just dived really into it. And I mean, it's incredible what I found, you know, and I just started posting actually every Monday on LinkedIn, just like a short summary with a link to one of the books. Mm -hmm. But there was, uh, what is it? I think it's Candid Candor or something, something along those lines. I'll send it to you later on. Incredible yeah. business book incredible business book never heard of it before my husband was just reading it you know even and he's like hey I need to use that with my team and there are a lot of books out there they're just not receiving the same publicity than books written by men well and then maybe that's my challenge because Amazon's yeah. not helping me either so no no and it's not, and it's so interesting you know because like we've been diving into tons of research you know for Ziva voices because we are pitching right now as well um as we are trying to build an app out of it mm -hmm. and my husband came to me and he's helping out with a lot of things and so he put in we were doing, we were trying to do a competitor analysis and he typed in women's magazines into Google and he comes up and he's like, look, the first pictures that are shown here are not magazines for women that are magazines about women. There was like Playboy, in it and right. all that, you know, and he's like, how are these magazines for women? You know, so it's interesting, you know, because I think that the algorithms are not supporting our searches. 
you know, the Amazon, their algorithm isn't necessarily focusing on what we want. Even if you go into mindset, the first books that come up on mindset are all written by men on Google. Yeah. So, I mean, that is right. That That is the reason why I started Ziva Voices. And I think that's the reason why so many are joining the movement, really, because we don't have enough access even to all the knowledge that is out there that has been created by women. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and if you look at, I mean, history, our voices have been essentially wiped out because yeah. there's not, I mean, yes, there's certain women that have popped up over time, but you know that women have contributed even in the background to mm. most men who have led anything. Yeah. And that we've played a part that just hasn't been showcased or or thought about or valued. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is really what I love about what you're doing. Um, I, 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 I get goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, for me, women have so much to offer and our leadership is different and we create more sustainable businesses, not only from the business aspect, and I'm air mm-hmm. quoting that from a money or sales perspective, but from team building, from longevity, from... Mm-hmm really having an organization that's whole and holistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd love to hear your take on on that as well. And look, when you look into, into research and data, right? I mean, I, I am a data-driven person. I guess that's the reason why, you know, I've been in academia for so long and uh, why I go back on a regular basis. But because it really shows us how the world is in numbers without mm-hmm. attaching any emotions to it. And so when you look at the numbers, women's businesses are usually more sustainable. Women's businesses also fail less than men's businesses. I do have actually the data somewhere. I need to send it to you. So it takes female-led businesses usually longer to be profitable. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I've even, you know, like I was once at a um, at an event and it was from um, angel investors. And it was really interesting because it was angel investors. It was just a female group and they were talking about how to get an investor into your business and so on and what to do. And one of them said that most of the time they still invest into businesses owned by men because they are faster profitable than the one you know, created by women. And I was first a little bit shocked. But then, you know, I thought like, this is just so wrong also from an investor's perspective, because what are we going for? Are we going for the fat, you know, for fast money? Or are we going for the sustainable money that is going to be with us for for quite some time? And is it about just making the fast money and then, you know, and then seeing just the, the business go down because that, that's what's happening with a lot of businesses that have been created, you know, by men. And we see that right now also so perfectly actually in media, you know, how all these great men <laughs> are driving profitable businesses so fast down just because they were thinking that they can scan it you know, or scale it into, into infinity, or I don't know exactly what they've been thinking, but when we look at wealth and creating wealth and creating a business, we don't look at how the business impacts the greater community. We just look at it from a perspective of either 
is it worthy of being invested in? And then how do I get my investment out of it fast enough? And what is, mm -hmm. you know, what is the win that I'm going to be making with it? Or, you know, like, is this a product, you know, that we can sell fast enough? But it's right. never on like, how is this product going to be benefiting long-term other people? And I think that that's what women do, right? When women, women usually open up businesses that are a solution to a problem that they came across mm -hmm. or a solution to a problem that they see other women struggle with. Right. And for now, right now, the needs that women have are still pretty basic because there's not enough childcare. Healthcare isn't good enough because, you know, women have been basically not really uh, in the research on women in, in medicine. is just not that widespread. There's tons of data missing when it comes to the female body, to female health, to, you know, every, everything around us. So what women are doing right now, what I see is quite often still create businesses that are covering these quote unquote, let's call it basic needs, right? Now, which is great on the one side, but it's also a shame because we don't have enough businesses that we can compare with the big boys. Right. Because if you're busy trying to figure out how you can create, you know, a new school model, for example, in your community, so 50 other women can go to work, uh, or you're trying to figure out how... Uh, create a different system on caretaking because you've been a caretaker you know it's like you are not going to be sitting at home and thinking on mm, is there an ai that i can develop or is there any kind of technology that i can develop that will help that problem because you you are trying to solve the problem that you are facing right now right right so we are really measuring women's businesses on the wrong scale And also, you know, like even like when you look at the GDP, like how it excludes everything that women are doing, you know, there should be, I mean, there are so many economists that have written several uh, papers, um, I think, especially in the last two or three years, even that say we need to have a different kind of measurement for our economy, like GDP is just not doing the trick. No, because there's so many aspects that matter that, as you said, aren't included. And I think it's like looking at from a business perspective, looking at accounting and only measuring the finances, but not measuring the people and the performance and the happiness and which we're finally starting to do, but it's the same thing with the economy, like measuring some of the soft or softer areas um, makes a big difference. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, um, I'm reading another book right now. It's the double X economy. Really highly recommended. She is a Her background is in economy and I think also as a social psychologist, but she she's a researcher. Um, my guess is not she has been doing it for over 30 or 40 years, maybe not that long, but uh, she has been doing research all over the world, really, um, mostly on women's issues and economy and what are the obstacles that women are facing. And what she, you know, what she really points out is how important the work is that women are doing how important it is also to create an environment that makes it easy for women to want to have children by the way because we do need to have children in order to you know i mean support the next generation but also uh keep our cities and societies alive and in so many countries around the world we are just not having enough children anymore And there are different, you know, ways of trying to 
incentivize women to have children right <laughs> germany is doing it with really long and full maternity leave others kind other countries are coming up with very creative laws that i feel like are almost forcing women to have children but they are not tackling all these all these measurements are not tackling the core issue and the core issue is what really matters in our society is that we need to have a cons consistent production of the next generation Right. That is without that, nothing that we are trying to do or nothing that we are doing is going to ever actually work, because if we don't have people, we, we won't be able to sustain our societies. And of course, yes, we have still, you know, major uh, issues in certain regions of the world where there are just too many children being born and there's not enough education and so on. She talks about that as well and what kind okay. of impact it has. But it's really interesting because no matter what, no matter which kind of circumstances you're looking at the world if you improve women's lives you improve the gdp mm -hmm. so no matter like no matter where or who is doing a shift the smallest shift is just already impacting you know our societies in such a positive way so i don't understand why we are not starting to actually just place more importance on what matters the most and it's certainly not you know it, It doesn't matter that some kind of investor, you know, is getting a billion dollar return every year. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But what matters is that if a woman is starting a business that is changing the lives of 100 women around her, because mm -hmm. it's, you know, because it's helping them to give back to the community, to make them happier, to make them healthier, to whatever it is that, that we are needing. So it's like we need to shift Also, what we are celebrating, you know, I mean, like when we've in the last couple of months and now the news changed a little bit, but when Elon Musk started, you know, with this whole Twitter thing and going in and like he was celebrating, uh, celebrated for it such a big way. And I'm like, for what? For why? Yeah. He's, being, I mean, he's acting like a teenager and maybe I'm wrong, but for me, if a woman had his resources, she would be solving different problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like, what was it? I think he paid, what, $46 billion. I mean, it wasn't just his money. He got also money from investors. Right, right. Imagine you give $46 billion to a group of women that is trying to shift the, how do you call that in English? Sorry, like uh, early uh, maternity death in United States, you know, where you have still, you know, like maternity. Or the stillbirths or yeah. miscarriages. No, no, no. Sorry. When uh, women are, uh, there are still too many women um, dying during uh, during childbirth in the U.S. How do you call it? There's a specific term for it. Doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah, we'll make it it's up. Fine. We, will, we will find a different example. But um, the things that you could do with that money, you know, like in order to create actually something that is cleaning the water, right? We don't have enough water around the world. We need more cleaner water, bringing water to California. I mean, there are so many examples or ideas that I could come up with, you know, within five minutes. If someone yeah. would give me, give me that Education, money. Hunger, poverty, like climate yeah. change, you could make significant impacts in any and all of those because they're all intertwined. Yeah. Like that's it. It's very frustrating and nothing against Elon Musk. Like I've, I've stock in Tesla. <laughs> I was really like, mm, you just got knocked down a few points in my general. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but I mean, but it's, you know, I think what I want to aim at or just, you know, make us yeah. look at is really how we are celebrating men and what we are celebrating them for. But then we are using this really harsh judgment, uh, you know, for women and how we are looking at women and how we are measuring their achievements and what we are expecting of women. And we are still, and that is a crazy thing. We are still expecting of women to be the perfect mother, to be the perfect wife. You know, now we are expecting of them to have a perfect career, to also contribute to, to the household income. On top of that, you know, be somehow creative so they are good role models for their children. I yeah. mean, there's just so much and we are still not having the same expectations towards men. No, no, we're not. And women do more all of the time. And and to some extent, I think, I mean, we're better at that multifocal thing, if you will, than guys, but it's really finding a different way to create partnerships and relationships and then like acknowledging that women are just doing more mm. different things on any given day and we don't have to be perfect. Yeah. And I don't even know if we're really better at it or we are just good at it because we have to, like there's no other choice. Yeah. You know? I, I don't know. I mean, I've read very top level just from the, like from hunter gatherer communities, the women were picking berries and watching kids mm. and generally yeah, doing yeah. Like something else and the guys just went out and hunted mm -hmm. so it, it some of it's in our evolution yeah uh, I see. and I had actually had this conversation with my son um this past weekend because he's very singular focused with work right now he loves his job he's doing really cool things and that's what he does and he's single and he's happy and that's great and I'm like I couldn't do that with you like you mm -hmm. would have starved to death <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like you know kids want to be fed and that's the way it is so I have I had to figure out how to do work or my, you know my business and raise you at the same time mm. and it it really didn't hit him until I was like you would have you know had nothing in the refrigerator <laughs> the non-stop eater uh, uh, so I don't think guys even understand either like and I mean he's young but mm. I don't think I don't think they've stopped and really thought about we're doing more um, on any given day and not more in the volume, just more in the number of things we're juggling. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's not just the things that we're juggling, you know, I believe it's also the obstacles in form of opinions and societal standards and structures mm -hmm. and roles that we have to still argue against you know and waste our time with it instead of having just kind of like the open uh runaway you know just to like go and move things forward um what do you think women can do to have their voice heard more and mm -hmm. be found on google and amazon mm -hmm. yeah uh, i really think there are two things um that just like pops into my mind right away a ask more people to share you know, and be really blunt about that. Um, but also share, if you're a woman, share the work from other women. I think that that's still not happening enough, you know, um, sometimes because we are afraid to be judged for what, what we are sharing. But sometimes also, I think it's a fear of if I share this and there's not enough space for my stuff. And the other thing, so, so really, really going out and go in and say hey like 
I mean, like I wrote a book, can you put it into your new, next newsletter? You know, do you know anyone that can have me on, on their podcast? Do you like really, I think that women are not direct enough. I would agree. They'll be like, oh, can you help me? Sure, I can help you. But how do you want to be helped? Right. Right. And so kind of like knowing what is it that you want to achieve? What is it that you want to do? And then really ask very specifically, can you help me with X, Y, Z? And the other thing is stop apologizing. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is my pet peeve. Yeah, I mean, I really, I think really, women need to stop apologizing. Yeah, I got a sweetest text this morning um, from a friend that is helping with Ziva voices. And I sent her a cryptic message yesterday night because I finished something. And she texted me back and she said, hey, maybe I missed something, but I'm not understanding it correctly. And so sweet. And I, I texted her back. I'm like, you're so sweet and so polite. I'm the one, <laughs> you know, that didn't communicate correctly. <laughs> You didn't miss anything, right? right? But I mean, it's the perfect, it was kind of like the perfect example because what happens is something doesn't go the way we expect it to go. And the first thing that we assume is that it's our fault. So we start apologizing. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, A, certain things might be also just unclear. We don't have to apologize for it, right? Or maybe you're just not understanding. Then you're just not understanding. Better to ask to understand it. But yeah, so uh, I would say those two things, like really be direct, you know, be, I think we need to be more direct. Men are pretty direct. And it's not that I don't even think being direct is less feminine or more masculine or whatever. It just means that you're clear and focused on what you want to achieve or what, you know, what what kind of change you want to create. Yeah. Yeah. I have found, um, because I have a couple of clients who are very direct and I love it. Um, and they've given me feedback that they get feedback that they're intimidating or scary. Um, I think people don't know what to do when women are direct. So we have to, to me, that's like, okay, we need to be even more direct and more clear. So one, it becomes normal and we can kind of teach people how to interact with us Mm -hmm. um, and not be intimidated because, Mm -hmm. I would much rather have that than somebody beat around the bush and be yeah, not really tell me what they want. I can't help them then. Yeah. I mean, and it's also, you know, I think, let me just like, it It was, I think it was radical, radical Kandur. It was Radical Kandur, the other book. Because what, what you just brought up, I think it's a really important thing. So she wrote in her book that quite often it is also difficult for, for male um, or um, leaders, managers uh, to give feedback to women because they are afraid of how women will react to to the feedback. Um, A, on the one side, because, of course, um, certainly some men are also afraid to, uh, you know, not do it the right way. Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, we, we, live, we live in a world, unfortunately, in where, where it's really difficult to be direct because if you make a mistake you can be if it's publicly you can be canceled out right if it's just you know in the in the smaller circle you you can face other consequences for it but we have to understand that by being direct we are also giving space to make mistakes mm-hmm. and i think that's something um 
that's really like even thinking right now about that that is the other that's maybe the third thing like women are afraid of making mistakes and maybe that's the reason why it's so difficult for them to be direct and others expecting women to be direct is not common yeah why is it not common i mean it's culturally right but also i don't know because we are not expecting women to be good at conflict maybe honestly i think that that's yeah. one of the other and we are yeah we are like that's the funny <laughs> thing is that we are we're great at conflict yeah, we're, i think true. we're better at resolving it um and and being empathetic to you know whoever mm. we're engaged in conversation with just in general yeah so i guess you know becoming also better at conflict you know why not just have difficult conversations with people and do it on purpose i don't know go out and have you know with friends that you know that they have an opposite opinion um just discuss with them exactly that yeah yeah you know with a yeah um i want to shift gears completely mm-hmm. uh, because you did a tedx a little mm-hmm. while ago and i watched it it was super cool on feelings and emotions um share with everybody a little bit about what it is we're going to have the mm. uh, link for the video in the show notes along with the link to um have a free subscription to ziva voices mm-hmm. um but sh- as i said yeah. share, share everybody a little bit about what what you talked about and so and yeah um uh, let me, I'm trying to figure out what you start, just to give everyone a little bit of context. So I was mainly talking about the difference between emotions and feelings um, from a social psychological perspective. So mm-hmm. usually when we speak about emotions or feelings, we speak about the same, or often even scientists will sum it up as the same to keep it simple. There's a general agreement in academia that there's a difference between emotions and feelings, but the you have to you have to do some homework in order to find the common ground on how what the definition is for emotions and what the definition is for feelings. Mm-hmm. And um, I did my PhD research um, on masculinity and emotions in high security prison facilities in South Africa, mm-hmm. and. Um, the, the intent of the research was uh, first a little bit different and I shifted. And then, you know, I started developing it further afterwards anyway. But as a social, so as a social psychologist, right, there's a different, they, they, quite often people will still say, oh, she is a psychologist. No, I'm not. <laughs> because what I'm interested in is really, you know, the the person and how the person is interacting within the the environment. So meaning in relation to others. And as much as I look into how a person individually individually is acting, I think it's super important to understand how the environment is impacting us. And we say that, you know, like usually quite easily, yes, you know, like choose the right people around you, um, you know, make sure that uh, you, you have people around you that are aligned with your goals so they really help you to, you know, grow and move forward. Now, when it comes to emotions and feelings, I started realizing very early in my research that there is a significant difference between how a person feels inside Mm -hmm. and how they act or how they show their emotions in accordance to what is expected of them. 
And that's what we are doing, right? We are playing on a daily basis, different roles, right? You are the, uh, the business consultant and strategist, but you're also a mother. You are also, um, I think, a sister, you know, you're a daughter, you're a friend, you know, you might be, you, you might be a yoga student, you know, like there are so many different aspects that we, or different roles that we step into. And these different roles have different requirements to be understood. Like what is a good mother, for example, you know, a good mother acts in a specific way. And in that specific way, there will be also a very specific way how you show your emotions. Really good example is I think specifically like here in our Western cultures, if you go to a funeral and the person that is left behind doesn't cry or doesn't show any sadness. Like we are going to think this person is, you know, uh, doesn't feel lost or he or she didn't live uh, love the other person that just passed away. Like we're going to be putting culturally so many interpretations into that just because that person isn't showing specific emotions that we are expecting in that situation to be shown. But that person might be just from a different culture and in a culture in which they don't show their emotions in public, you know, in the, in, in the public eye. So it's not really, you know, it's, there are just so many different, um, different aspects to how and what we actually feel. And so what I found out really is that once you understand that there is a difference between how you feel and how you're supposed to feel, you understand that you're actually making a choice and you're making a choice as how you actually want to feel in that moment. Mm -hmm. But what it really does, it, it really reproduces a sense of freedom in order to understand who am I or who am who do I want to be and then act accordingly to that. Which inter interestingly enough, like I've seen this now because I've tested it, um, you know, also on, on people in different surroundings. Once you understand that it's your choice, it's also easier for you to go into conflict and live with consequences because you know that you have actually chosen to create that specific friction because you are not uh, agreeing what's being expected of you socially and culturally. Mm -hmm. And I think, especially for women, that topic is just sounds, and my TEDx talk is very, I broke it down in very, very simple terms. <laughs> but very uh, short, I mean, time, I think you could talk several hours on just this topic. Yeah. But because it's just so intricate, but like, uh, let me just put one, one, one perspective into it. I think for women, the biggest obstacle that we are facing is that we are trying to live up to someone else's standards and stories and structures. And we then blame ourselves and make ourselves feel small and we make ourselves feel like we are not good enough because we are living up to something that never has been part of how we imagine to live our life. Right. Right. And so really that, that TED talk, even though I'm talking about the difference between emotions and feelings, but it is at the end about understanding the difference about, between who you want to be and what you choose or who you choose to be in accordance or not in accordance with the society around you. Right, right. Yeah. So we should 
create our own standards. Yeah, yeah, we need to create our own standards. We need to create our own ideas and we need to create also not just our own standards, but also systems. Mm -hmm. If you are not happy with a specific system, change it. Change and create a microsystem for yourself, you know. Um, sometimes that means you have to move the country <laughs> to make it easier <laughs> for yourself. It does. But, yeah, yeah. But, but sometimes it just means also just finding people that share your opinion. And I think that that's uh, what's also happening. I think that more and more women are stepping into entrepreneurship and creating their own companies. And if these women could now even collaborate more, then they could create internal systems for childcare, you know, even. Like if you are in a group of women that are entrepreneurs, you most likely know someone that might have a bigger building, you know, that might have the space. And where you could just, you know, live it like develop almost like a village experience, <laughs> you know. That. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. Um Yeah, I think there's so much opportunity for us to create newly and really have some positive change on our culture and society yeah. um, that I want to encourage everybody who's listening to kind of think about how can they create their own standards and their own system mm -hmm. and, the, and also ask for help and be direct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but speak up, right? At the end yeah. of the day, it is uh, speak up. Speak up for what it is that you imagine and what it is that you want. It doesn't mean that you're going to get it right away, but at least you put it out there. And who knows, just by putting it out there, you might actually find someone else that shares your view and sh shares your idea and, you know, will come up and will make it just easier to, to create it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I mean... What did we, so we had a couple of things, right? Say no, it's, well, speak up. Yeah. Um, stop apologizing, my favorite. Stop apologizing. Yeah. I would add actually say no to this, to the stop apologizing. Yeah. And then create your own systems. Yeah. And it's, it's a really close loop um, because once you start with one of these, you have to actually go and move forward with, with the other ones. But I mean, with, your, with the women that you work with, mm -hmm. The entrepreneurs that you also deal with on a daily basis, why do you believe that more women are actually moving into entrepreneurship? For the reason that you said earlier is that they, and I see this on the podcast, um, you know, for anybody who's listening, if you've listened to a couple of episodes, you'll somewhere in there, many of the women um, have started businesses because either they experienced a problem or somebody else that they know had a problem and that's how they've solved it. And now they want to be able to bring that um, to the world and, and then do it differently. And maybe not like complete disruption of the industry, but they have such a unique take on how to do it better. And I'm going to say in a more friendly, empathetic, kinder, gentler way that people really resonate with. Mm. So how can we get give these women more voice, right? I mean, that's really at the end of the day, like how can we hear more about these stories? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and that's, as I said, before we hit the record button, you know, why you have Siva Voices, why I changed the name of the podcast and really want to talk about the stories because the stories are so important. And mm -hmm. the feedback I get from the podcast is somebody's story resonated with me 
Um, I've gone through that. I'm going through that. I have felt like this before, etc. And um, it's never that, you know, the sales one-on-one content, which is great and needed at times mm-hmm. too, was the best thing that they ever heard. It's the stories that connect all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we are all on a, you know, on a path of really just finding out, I guess, how we want to live this life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And the more women also speak up and show how they are doing it differently, the more women will find courage to do so as well, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We have to wrap up. I could talk to you forever. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have all of the world's problems uh, solved in the next yeah. couple of hours. Thank you so much. Like yeah. I'm so honored to one to know you, but to have you on the show. And before we um, end, could you let everybody know where they can connect with you? Sure. Um, the best way currently to really connect with me is on LinkedIn. You know, I just respond quite quickly on LinkedIn, but you can find me also on Instagram and my website. Um, but LinkedIn is, I don't know, it, it just works pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, awesome. It's my hope that you find at least one nugget of value in each episode of Women Who Build Empires. And if that's true, please follow and share Women Who Build Empires with your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcast. Your support is what will help this podcast be found by more women just like you.